That is the gospel message. Jesus saves. Nothing that we can or have done, but only Christ alone. And we are his church. We're in this series, Be the Church, What the Church Is and Why the Church Matters. Peggy and I are headed out soon on a a vacation that we had planned long before. There was a pastoral transition and a capital campaign. And I already have one book that I want to read on that vacation, Washington Spies, the story of America's first spy ring. The men and the women that that General Washington used to to spy for the colonists in the Revolutionary War. And, And I was thinking about that book as I was working on the sermon this week because he was sending them out on secret missions. Jesus is sending his church out not on a secret mission, but on a mission that is clearly laid out for us in Scripture. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles or your electronic devices to Matthew 28. And we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage and story, but I want us to think carefully about it this morning. We saw last week that we as the church are called out by God. We're called out to God-given faith and to God-given victory and to God-given authority because of what Jesus Christ has done. But we are also sent out sent on a mission for Jesus Christ. And don't allow your familiarity with this passage to cause you to kind of tune out at the message of what it is that he is doing and sending us to do. And it's important that we notice the context of this very familiar passage. The larger context is all of chapter 28, especially the first 15 verses as we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that unfolds and the resurrection is critical to the rest of the chapter as we'll see in a few moments. But there's more in the context that we need to make sure we grab a hold of. So look at verse 16 with me. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. There are several things in that passage that I want us to to think about in terms of the context of our mission. The first one is that it comes in the context of obedience. They go to the mountain Jesus had directed them to go to. We don't know when that happened, but he had evidently said, let's meet at such and such a place and they are going there. And that's an important principle that's sort of an aside to the whole sermon. But if we want God to direct us, that begins with doing what we know he wants us to do. What he's revealed clearly to us. And then he will help us see the things he has not revealed so clearly. Secondly, this command that we'll look at today comes in the context of worship. They fell down and worshipped him. It's really interesting because the Gospel of Matthew begins with a worship scene in chapter 2. As the magi, the wise men, come and they fall down in worship before the baby Jesus. And now here at the end of this gospel, the disciples fall down and worship before the risen, conquering Jesus. But part of the context is also human weakness and frailty and struggle. Because we're reminded at the very first words of this verse, the 11, there used to be 12. 
But Judas betrayed, and he's gone. And there's only 11 now. But the struggle is even more evident with the last phrase, which is kind of an interesting one. But some doubted. Really? Some of those doubted that this was really Jesus? Uh, The word for doubt there means to hesitate, to waver. It is the same word that's used to describe Peter in Matthew 14. Remember when he gets out of the boat and he's walking to Jesus and he sees the waves and all of a sudden he's not walking on top of the water anymore. He's sinking down into it. Then Jesus rescues him and then says, why did you doubt? Same word. Why did you waver? Why did you hesitate? Why are you struggling? And so the context of what we're looking at this morning comes in the context of reminding us that we are human and that we struggle and sometimes we even doubt and we wrestle with that. And so as we look at the context, we need to remember we're human. So Jesus commands imperfect people who know who he is who want to worship him, who want to obey him, he commands those imperfect people, go, I'm sending you. Now, some of you have been around church long enough to know that when we look at the word go in Matthew 28, it is a participle. It means as you are going. But we also know that that participle is tied to a command. And because it's tied to a command, it has the force of a command. So it is both as you are going, but it is also go. We are sent on a mission by Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean that we are sent out people? There are at least, I think, two implications of the fact that the church of Jesus Christ is a sent out people. Let's explore those this morning. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. The first thing I want us to notice is that we are sent out in the power of our risen Savior. Part of the implication of the command to go is that we aren't going on our own. That the going, which would not ultimately be possible without the first part of this chapter, if there were no risen Savior, we would have no message to proclaim. We would have no authority or power to go, but we have it because he's alive. So we're going not on our own, but with his command. And Jesus tells us that his universal authority undergirds our mission. It's not our authority. We're not going out because we have a message. We're going out because he has given us a message. And so he says, all authority, not a little, not some, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So there is no heavenly power that can oppose and stop his mission. There's no earthly power that can. And that's important because remember the context. Remember what has just happened. The earthly powers inspired by the satanic forces have crucified Jesus. But he's not dead anymore. He's alive. And as Christus Victor, Christ the Victor, he says, they have no authority over you or me. I am sending you out with all authority. So you go 
And it's fascinating to me that the gospel which begins focusing on Jesus as king of the Jews. Chapter 1 is all about his heritage as a Jewish savior. Chapter 2, the the magi, the wise men come and ask, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? And the gospel of Matthew is in many ways a, a theme of Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the king. But when we get to the end of the book, what is he? He's the one with authority over all heaven and earth. He is the savior of all mankind. And so his church is sent out not to a select group of people, but to all people. There are those today who will say to you as you attempt to share the gospel with them, you are so arrogant to think that Jesus is the only way. Or if you're talking about missionaries going overseas, why are you sending them overseas? Let those people alone to to worship their gods as they see fit. But to stand up and to say Jesus is the only way to the Father is not arrogant. It's obedient. Because he's called us to go with that message, to go with the message that he is the savior of the whole world and that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we have been sent on a mission and that mission is undergirded by his universal authority. It's his mission, not ours. We also see in this passage that his unending presence sustains our mission. So as he talks about going, he first talks about his authority. And then at the very end, bracketing it in this passage, he says, And behold, look, notice, I, and it's emphatic, I myself am with you always to the end of the age. And so not only do you have my authority, but my presence is with you. And that should sustain you and encourage you as you go. Matthew begins by telling us in chapter 1 that Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And now Jesus ends that gospel by saying, I am with you and I will always be with you. Oh, not always physically present, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, Matthew ends with that statement. Matthew knew about the ascension. He was there. But directed by the Holy Spirit, that's not where he ends his gospel. Because he wants to end his gospel with, here is the mission and I am with you. And yes, Jesus ascended, but he's still with us. And he always will be with us as we move ahead and serve him on his mission. And that's good because our hope isn't in technology and it's not in our ability. And and when we look at going to all the nations, that's a daunting task. As I was studying this week, I was remembering that it was about a year ago this time that Peggy and I went to Romania And going to Romania was fine, and being in Romania was fine. Coming back was a nightmare. And I was thinking, you know, that that kind of pictures, because we were just going for a visit, but it pictures what our missionaries go through as they go overseas. It can be a very daunting task to cross-culturally share the message of Christ. But that's the mission. But it can be a pretty daunting task to walk across the street to share that message, can't it? And we need to be reminded that we have not only the authority, but the presence of Christ with us to carry out that mission. 
our mission, the go, is bracketed on both sides with his power and his presence. So whatever God is calling you and me to do, we are sent out in the power of our risen Savior. My prayer has been that God would call people out of Berean into ministry. And, and we've seen a number in recent years of, of young men go out into pastoral ministry. I would love to see us send more across the sea into missions. And I'm not just talking to the young people. Some of us who are older can do that as well. And if God calls us to do it, his authority and his presence guarantee that we can do what he's called us to do. And quite frankly, even talking about a capital campaign and $1.4 million is a pretty daunting thing. I don't know about you, but I can't do $1.4 million. And if you can, I want to talk to you after the service. But together, and understand that this capital campaign is in the hands of God. He is going to do what he wants to do. It might be right on the goal. It might be less than the goal. He might blow us out of the water in amazement at what he does. But whatever it is, it will be what he does. We're faithful. We do what we can, but he will get the glory. We are sent out in the power of our risen Savior. There's a second implication in this passage. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So what Jesus tells us is that we are sent out as messengers of the risen Savior. Not just in his authority, but with his message. Our mission's clear. We are to be witnesses to the cross and to the empty tomb, to the gospel that we sang earlier in the service. We are to be witnesses to our living King. And Jesus tells us that we are to call others to follow Jesus. Go, therefore, and here's the main verb of this section, make disciples of all nations. Not make converts, not Notch your gun belt because you've got a profession of faith. Make followers. The, the idea, the word disciple has the idea of not just knowing but doing. And it combines those two so that you don't just have somebody saying, okay, I believe in Jesus, but somebody who is thinking about it and acting upon it. In fact, we've already seen the word disciple in this passage, haven't we? The 11 disciples came. So when Jesus says, make disciples, he's saying to those 11, all right, guys, I have spent the last years pouring into your life. Now you do the same. You make disciples of other people. Cause them to come to understand what the gospel is. Allow the Spirit of God to draw them to faith in Jesus Christ and then to following Jesus Christ. Show them what the gospel is. Chuck Colson in his book, Gods of Stone, talks about a religious broadcaster being interviewed on 60 Minutes. And he was asked about the gospel, and this is what he said. The main thing is just to create an image. You've got to present a product that's a little bit more appealing than the others. That's not the gospel. It's not our job to make the product appealing. Our job is to winsomely, yes, 
graciously, kindly say, Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sins and he rose again showing that that payment was accepted and the only way that you can be right with God is through what Jesus did. And that's not my opinion, it's God's mission. That's the gospel. And that's to be done as we're going through our daily lives, but also with intentionality because make disciples is the imperative that touches on the go. So we go. And indeed, if we're going to make disciples of all nations, that means we've got to go because most of us moving through our daily lives are not going to impact the nations. But some here may be called to go and impact the nations. Certainly, we as a church are called to support those who are going and impacting the nations. And the missions conference in a few weeks is a great chance for you to hear from some of those. We are to call others to follow Jesus. We are also to connect followers to other followers of Jesus. Baptizing them, he says, into the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Interesting. Singular name, one name. Three persons, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So there is the Trinity involved. And he says, when we are baptized, we are identifying ourselves with this triune God, with this Jesus who came to earth and died for us to save us. We are saying, I am a follower of Jesus. That's why if you were baptized before you came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, that wasn't real baptism. Baptism is a statement. Yes, I am a follower of Jesus. And so it doesn't matter how many times or where or who baptized you. If you weren't a follower of Jesus, it doesn't count. Baptizing is a picture of our relationship, our new relationship with the triune God. It's also a picture of our identification with Jesus' people, with his church. Baptism was not a big part of Jesus' ministry. It gets mentioned just a little bit. But boy, does it become a big part of the ministry of his church, starting in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches, people believe, and they are baptized into the body of believers, into the church. And that occurs throughout Acts because it not only identifies you with Jesus and the triune God, it identifies you with the people of God. It's why we need to be part of a church and active in it, not because any church is perfect. Certainly Berean is not perfect, but because it's God's plan for his followers to be connected to other followers in the local church. The story is told of three pastors in a small town who got together for coffee one day and they were sharing one of the struggles they were having was all three of them had infestations of bats in the attic of their church. The first one said, well, you know, I went up there with my shotgun and I blasted at them, but all I did was put holes in the wall up there, which I don't recommend because it's illegal to kill them in Michigan anyway, by the way. The second one said, you know, I, I trapped them. I put a trap out. I caught them. I drove them 50 miles away and released them and they beat me back to the church building. Third pastor says, I haven't had any more problems. So why not? He said, well... I just baptized them and made them members and I haven't seen them since. (laughs) That should not be the case, right? When we are baptized, we become part of that Jesus group. 
and we serve. And really what Jesus has to say next implies that. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We're to instruct followers to be obedient followers, to carry on, to live on. And it's, Jesus says here, baptizing, and the implication there is a one-time event of baptism, but the teaching is ongoing and continual teaching and learning and growing. And where does that happen best? It happens best in community. It happens best as we rub shoulders with other followers of Jesus and connect with them and allow them to rub off our rough edges and we rub off their rough edges and they exhort and encourage and we exhort and encourage and together we become better followers of Jesus because we're connected to each other. And notice it's not teaching them to know a lot of stuff. It's teaching them to observe, to do all. Not just part of what Jesus commanded, but everything that he commanded needs to be lived out. So the followers need to demonstrate this new allegiance that they proclaimed in baptism by a changed life that is living out the truths that Jesus has taught his people. Instruct followers to be obedient followers of Jesus. And guess what? The 11 did it. They were sent out. We are sent out as messengers of the risen Savior And they called others to follow and they connected them to other followers and they instructed them. And those people then in the book of Acts went and they taught others and they instructed others and it kept going until one day, for many of us in this room, somebody shared the gospel with us. They were obedient to the mission and because they were obedient to the mission, it came down and you and I came to know Jesus Christ and were hopefully discipled. And now, now it becomes our mission to be sent out in the power of our risen Savior as messengers of His. Nebrian says it this way in our mission statement. Developing fully devoted followers of Christ for the glory of God. That's essentially Matthew 28. It's essentially the Great Commission because that's the mission statement of every church. We all just tweak it a little bit to be our own. We do that by helping people to know God personally. That's evangelism. That's pointing them to Christ as the only way. And it's then connecting them so we gather as worshipers together. It's also connecting relationally. That's the discipleship aspect. Informal fellowship, connection, and formal discipleship. And then serving sacrificially, serving within these walls as we fellowship and rub shoulders and serve, but serving outside these walls as we go out and minister to other people and even across the world. So that then we come full circle. People come to know God personally. And the purpose is that they become fully devoted followers of Christ. Not so Berean is huge, not so Berean is glorified, but so that God receives the glory. That's Matthew 28. That's our mission as a church. So how does that fit into what we're talking about with the capital campaign? How does that relate to it? It's because it's more than just bricks and mortar. It is expanding using those so that we can change lives. We need to reach and disciple the next generations. 
Because if the church doesn't do that, where will they learn truth? At home, certainly we hope so, but as you heard Gary and Denise say, there, there are echoes of that needed by other people, other places. And our children's facilities were great and they're still good, but they're, they don't meet the expectations of families today. And having two locations doesn't help us as people come in. They need to know where to drop and pick off their kids. And meeting them in one location would be a great advantage as well for our security's sake. Our children's ministries are growing rapidly. They are larger than they were when we first started thinking about expanding pre-COVID. Brian's experiencing and continues to experience a baby boom. You know, sometimes I'm driving and I have the news on and they talk about the birth rates are down. And I think, not at Berean, they're not. <laughs> on a given Sunday, we'll have 15 babies in our nurseries these days. And we got, I think, at least six more on the way right now. Our ministries are expanding through guests who come in and bringing children with them. Almost every week, we see new folks coming in with kids and when I spoke on, a, on Vision Sunday a while back, I had a family come to me and say, that's why we're here, because of your children's ministry. Action Day Camp filled up with 250 kids in two hours of registration being opened. Shows the need for and the desire for quality children's ministry in this area. And Action Day Camp is a huge part of what Berean has done over the years and continues to do. Our Awana program started out this week with about 155 kids registered. And if they all come on one night, and they might, and more will come, that's a lot of kids. We could use some help, by the way. See Pastor Jim if you want to help. But we could use expanded spaces as well. So part of us going is being out there and inviting people to know Christ and also to come. And being ready for them to come, both with people and facilities, so that we can disciple them. We believe the need is real and it's critical to Bereans' future growth and ministry. And we believe that together we can do this. So, so, so what's next? We're kicking it off. What happens next? Well, there's going to be meetings over the next several couple of months. And I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to attend some of those we don't want to spend a lot of time on Sunday in our worship services talking about what's happening. So we encourage you to get involved and to go to those meetings uh, because together we can make this a reality. We're going to have a prayer Sunday where there's a, a focus on that aspect of this campaign. There'll be a prayer event later. Participate as God directs you to and give as God directs you to because our mission is that we are sent out in the power of our risen Savior to be his messengers. One of George Washington's spies was a young man named Nathan Hale. Maybe not a very good spy because he got caught. And at 21 years of age, he was hung by the British as a spy. As he was being hung, before he was hung, he said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. You know, we all have one life. How are we going to invest that one life in mission for God? No one can do everything, someone has said, but everyone can do something. And that's true in our mission. Everyone can't go overseas, but some can. And some can stay here and support them. 
Everyone can do something in sharing the gospel with others. As we think about a capital campaign, nobody can do all of it, but together we can do something. We need to be on mission. We need to go. We need to pray. We need to serve. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these very familiar words. Thank you that they remind us to keep the main thing the main thing. Thank you that they help us to refocus our sight and our energy on what matters most. So help us as we leave this place this morning to be on mission for you, to be ready to speak and to live out our faith before a watching world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.